resume. Okay, yay. So this is our first expert session for our second season of the Mistresses of the Menopausal Mind. I am Jessica. I'm the headmistress. I'm a family nurse practitioner. And tonight we have Stacy Graham. Stacy Graham used to be a nurse, which is probably one of the reasons. Well, I know that's one of the reasons I was attracted to her, but I was, I had tried to teach myself this idea of hypopressive exercises that Stacy's going to tell us all about and teach us. Um, and I was failing really miserably. And when I was thinking about experts and I was thinking about movement and I was thinking about what to bring to this community and picking something that's a little bit different when we think about our pelvic floors, I really wanted to very selfishly learn more about hypopressives and low pressure fitness. There are a couple PTs and I've done pelvic floor therapy myself. Um, because of the sneezing and peeing and the laughing and peeing and the running and peeing and all the things, all the times you don't want to be pissing on yourself, right? You know, I get, you know, everyone, not everyone, but there are those people who do like to piss on themselves, you know, but you know, in the shower or <laughs> with a friend, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so I was looking through you know, who is in this space, who does it, and there are not a ton of people who do it. And I came across Stacy. Now, interesting thing, Stacy's very shy, very, very shy. And so there was no picture of Stacy. And I was like, Oklahoma, I don't even hardly know where that is. And then it said that Stacy used to be a nurse. And I was like, okay, so now that's speaking my language. And I have been working now with Stacy for how long has it been now? It's been a few couple months at least. I think since April. I think since April. <laughs> right? It's been a minute. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, so I asked Stacy if she would be our first expert, and you said yes. So uh that's all I want to say about Stacy. Now Stacy's gonna tell us about the name of her business and tell us all about just hit it, hit it, sister. <laughs> Well, I'm Stacy, and like she said, um, I am a trained nurse. I actually originally stumbled into hypopressives. Um, it was kind of a rabbit hole of a thing that <laughs> happened. Um, I was doing some continuing education on women's pelvic floor issues, and I saw it in an article somewhere, and they mentioned the term hypopressive, and I was like, what is that? Like, I've never heard of this before. And so I started doing some research and unfortunately, when I first started, almost everything was in Spanish. And so Google Translate became my friend. <laughs> and I read all these different articles in Spanish through Google and I was like, oh my gosh, we were never taught any of this stuff of how breathing affects the pelvic floor. Nobody talks about the diet diaphragm. Nobody talks about the pelvic floor, let alone how they synergistically work together. And usually with women's pelvic floor issues, it's kind of a, to me, at least it seemed like it's kind of a swept under the rug thing. They are very much, they either dismiss it, you'll be fine. It's common or, you know, Hey, let's go right to surgery. We'll fix you. There's, there's not really this natural 
thing that a lot of people talk about um, as to how we can fix and help our core and help our pelvic floor naturally. So whenever I heard about this, again, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole and followed the trail to Canada in 2015, where they happened to have a course teaching the very first level of it. And so I traveled to Canada and I started my journey there and I've been doing it ever since. Since then, I have done all the three courses. I'm a certified LPF trainer um, and been doing it for a while now. <laughs> but uh, I just want to ask some questions. And I want a little more background. I don't know if you're going to get into the background of it, but it comes out of Spain and it was created by a guy because every uh -huh. time you look at it was created by a guy and like, do you know how he came about? And then also like, what is it if you were to say in a nutshell, like what hypopressives are? But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll get into all this in my PowerPoint. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so excited to put together. But um, yeah. So in a nutshell, yes, Doctor Out of Spain. He he developed this based out of practices that he learned not only from yoga but from bodybuilding. Um, they have the Yudhi Bandaya, which I didn't say that right, but the breathing technique of yogis. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bandha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And he combined it um, with the abdominal hypopressives that they used to use in bodybuilding. And he realized that there was a technique that created a suction effect within the body. So he actually first designed it to help postpartum women. And so his whole main study in the very beginning was helping postpartum women recover after childbirth and how they could get their pelvic floors to reconnect and resync and heal. And since then, um, some of the people, Pity Panesh and Tamara Rial, they have taken it and turned it into this universal study where they've incorporated different postures and poses along with the breathing mechanisms that create a total body workout that heals you from the inside out, essentially. Yeah. I saw that I share, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to share the video, but you did share the video. No, it's not your pelvic floor, but like you can see there's a video where somebody, I guess, put a camera like inside a vagina and you can see when you do this hypopressive as opposed to Pilates, like the, you can see the pelvic floor just like mm -hmm. suck up and come up. I have to say, like I did Pilates and I love Pilates because it's like this super secret strength. But for me, doing the hypopressives, um, I've seen just, I, I was even running a couple of days ago, like not like running like a jog, because I, I don't know why anyone would do that, but um, Johanna loves jogging. But uh, I was just like running, I don't know, across the street where usually, and then like I sneezed right after. And usually it, like, I would probably, depending on where I am in my cycle and what's happening with my estrogen, right? I, I may leave like, it could be like a dribble to a tablespoon, right? But this time it was nothing, nothing, nothing. It just Yay! all like stayed <laughs> in. It just all stayed in. It was, it was really, really impressive. The other thing I know for me, I was a bodybuilder for a long time. So it's interesting to me that there's that there's some bodybuilding background to this. Okay, but I'm gonna shut up and <laughs> about me what you think about me and my pelvic floor. Okay, go ahead. No, it is. It is. It, I'm really excited to hear that because it's really fun how incrementally how it changes. That's one of the reasons that 
whenever I was first doing my study on the pelvic floor is because I myself was having some issues. I loved HIIT workouts and I was noticing, okay, I'm going to pee right before I go to the place. And then I would pee right when I got there. And then I'm like, okay, we did a warm up. Now I'm going to go pee. So I don't pee on myself in the middle of doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or, like, or you see those, um, you know, I like to watch, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, I just want to say it's called a box. You know, you do it in a box. What the hell? I don't. This is my my perimenopausal mind. I, somebody tell me. It's called. You know, when you go and you go to the box and you practice with the box and the wad. You have the wad. The workout of the day. It's called CrossFit. CrossFit. <laughs> Leslie was mentally saying CrossFit. So when I I watch those games, like almost every year, I watch the CrossFit games. Did you see them pee? constantly but yes. then they put pictures on it uh, uh, up and 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 like they it's like a revered thing like I'm yeah. really, this is not cute you pissing because yeah. you can jump don't jump on the fucking box don't yeah. jump the box right because you're gonna you're gonna slip in your wee <laughs> and and break your fucking neck right like it's a it's a mess no, um, it, it's kind of become a normal thing. They they say if you're not peeing, you're not working out hard enough. And yeah. it's not true. They don't understand the detriment that they've done to their pelvic floor and that they can fix it, you know, if they just take some time off and do some training. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So cool. All right. So, and you you all know that you can speak and say whatever you need to say or want yes, to say all that, right? Okay, yeah. so. I, I think, um, Jessica, just, I think one thing I've noticed is exactly what you're saying about, you know, like peeing on myself, if I sneeze or cough or, you know, just can't get to the bathroom quick enough. Or, but one, one other thing I've noticed is when I, like, I'll really feel like I need to go to the bathroom and I'll go and I'm not emptying my bladder. So I don't know if this is gonna help with that at all, or if it's related, like, cause I can go and think, oh yeah, I, I peed enough and then go back into bed. And five minutes later, I'm like, I need to pee again. The hell is that? You know, mm -hmm. I was in, I'm sorry. I don't, Stacy, you're gonna speak to this. And, and, but I was at a, I was part of this, um, uh, it, advisory group for this Kegel thing. And there are all these physiotherapists that were saying like so they, in their practices, about 87% of the women that were coming were hypotonic. Like they were all that stress was in their pelvic floor. So it's like, basically they're making a muscle and then they're going to the doctor and the doctor's like, do a Kegel. And they're already like making a muscle. And so they can't mm -hmm. make it more. And then they're like, oh, you got to do more Kegels. Yeah. Like sitting down on the fucking toilet is something you need to do. You need to sit on the toilet, like public right. place. You need to sit on the toilet. Maybe you get some trichomonas, but we'll give you something <laughs> for that, right? <laughs> like at least you'll stop peeing on yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, hypertonicity is a huge, is a huge, and it could be either. It can be hypo, it can be hyper. Either way, you can have bladder issues that happens. It just depends on where the pressure is coming from, if it's yeah. from internal or if it's because it's too tight and it's creating that sensation that I have to pee because it's got that constant contraction to it. So yeah. it can be either. And, and with what I'm going to talk about tonight, hypopressives is not a quick fix kind of thing. It's a rehab. 
because you're retraining your muscles to synergistically work together is essentially what we're doing. Um, which is why I was really excited to hear that she didn't pee whenever she ran across the street, because it is, it is a gradual thing that happens. And that's after I first learned it, you know, I was the one that always had to cross my legs if I was going to sneeze or something, because you're like, Oh, if I cross my legs, then I won't pee on myself. And it's okay. (laughs) Like, I'm going to cinch up and everything will be okay. And there came a moment like months later, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you one because it was a gradual thing that happened that I sneezed and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't cross my legs and I didn't pee on myself. <laughs> and it was so exciting. <laughs> like, but I think you a feel bit. it a little bit sooner than you think. Like you may not feel it, it in the sense that like right. you, you're not peeing on yourself automatically. But I think from the very beginning, if you allow yourself to, to kind of uh, notice the sensation in your body, you can feel like the up sock happening. You can be like, oh, look at that. Everything's kind of, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not staying up there, but it's sucking up. It's, it's pretty exciting, you know, certain positions more than others. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different. Yep. 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 <laughs> All right. Excellent. That's it. That's all you wanted to say. No. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so right. you you lead me and you tell me I have I have my little Yeah, yeah. You have you have the ability. You should be able to share your screen. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can. Okay. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are ready. Okay, so I'm gonna go through my little spill and Yes, when I am shy and I am nervous at public speaking, so this is kind of a newer thing for me. So bear with me as I go through this. Um, but I love teaching and I love what this does for people. And I've had so many clients be like, "You need to tell people," and it's I'm my own worst enemy when it <laughs> when it comes to this. So as I'm going through, if you guys have questions or anything, please feel free to stop me because my nursing side of patient education is going to come out and I'm going to go kind of really into depth and detail about why these dysfunctions happen within our body and how this can help you and then give you some exercises and some tools to help you along your way. (laughs) Great. Okay. So I'm going to share. Here we go. Uh, Oh, there we go. You're sharing. Did that work? Is it on my main one? You're doing it. You're doing it. Okay. Can you see, does it say inhale, exhale? It sure does. Okay, great. (laughs) Just making sure I'm on the right one. (laughs) Okay. So again, I'm just going to introduce you guys into what the, what hypopressives is, which is a breathing postural technique, which is going to help heal your core from the inside out. So see if I can get my little pointer to work. So I know that she touted me as being a pelvic floor expert person, and I'm going to talk a whole lot about breathing. And so I just want you guys to understand that as I go through all this, breathing has a huge impact on our pelvic floor. There's that synergistic 
component between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor that nobody really talks about. Um, again, didn't teach it in nursing school that, hey, your breathing can affect your pelvic floor. <laughs> That'd be nice if they did, but it was never mentioned ever. And so um, as I go through, I'm going to talk a whole lot about breathing and a whole lot about the diaphragm because the diaphragm is going to be that key component into helping us regain the pelvic floor movement that we need, because again, they're going to act synergistically together. So a lot of times we take for granted just breathing in itself. So right now I want you guys, just as you're sitting there, just don't think about it. Just, just focus on your breathing for a second. Just, just observe it. Is it shallow? Is it slow? Is it fast? Is it deep? How is it that you're breathing? What muscles are you using to breathe? Are your shoulders coming up? Are you expanding? Is it just kind of take a note of it? Okay, don't change anything consciously, just, just observe. So as I'm sure most of you guys know, our breathing affects our, our nervous system. It either sends us into the sympathetic nervous system or it sends us into the parasympathetic. So fast breathing, shallow breathing will stimulate our sympathetic nervous system, which is going to be that fight or flight. It's going to release that cortisol, which is going to keep us in that stressful state. Deep breathing, slow breathing stimulates our vagus nerve, which is going to help take us to that rest and digest place where our body can heal itself. So what we do with hypopressives through our breathing, and actually when you add the apnea into it, we're going to balance the two together. We're going to train the body that yes, we have this, this thing that happens in life where our sympathetic kicks in, but I can override it with my brain because I know how my breathing works and I can control my breathing, which is therefore going to control my nervous system and how I process things. So it's kind of a, a total body approach with it. So one thing I want you guys to do really quick, if you can, if you're somewhere where you can stand up, I'm going to have you stand up really quick. And all we're going to do is take a breath. So I'm just going to have you stand again. I don't want you to overthink anything. Just stand naturally. However you stand, shake it out, relax your shoulders. And I want you to just take a breath for me. Just a nice deep breath and just notice how much air you're getting in, how you're moving, how you're feeling when you take that breath. And then do one more for me. Nice deep breath. And then as you relax, I want you to think about and focus on your knees right now. Are your knees locked? Because if your knees are locked, I want you to just gently bend your knees. It's not like a full bend. It's just a gentle release of the knees. And then I want you to take another deep breath. And I want you to notice any differences that you feel within your lungs, just by doing that simple movement of bending the knees ever so slightly. So take a couple there with your knees bent. And then I want you to relock your legs if that's how you normally stand. <laughs> stand how you would normally stand and then take another breath and see if you can tell a difference. And you guys can come back and sit <laughs> whenever you're ready. <laughs> Did anybody notice anything? 
yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like the um, it was, it was, it was like much lower my breath. And I always consider myself something of a diaphragm, like a natural diaphragm breather, which probably is not the case at all. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I didn't know there was this whole, like, am I breathing through my like uterus right now? What's going on? <laughs> it was different. Cool. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how just that one simple thing of relaxing the knees how that can help open up the flow within the body. So there's this whole hidden connection of stacking the diaphragms that can really help open us up and help us breathe. And it is amazing because of that connection, the pelvic floor is directly connected to the diaphragm and how you breathe. And yeah, a lot of us think that we're diaphragm breathers and even people that do, you know, yoga and whatever. It's a different, everything is technically a diaphragmatic breath because your diaphragm is what helps you breathe. Uh, it's just a matter of expansion in the space that we create as we're doing our breathing as to what it affects within our body. So that's fun that you saw a difference. Okay. So we're going to keep moving. <laughs> uh, okay. So in a nutshell, Hypopressives, it is a full body exercise that is based on the postural breathing techniques and it activates our deep core musculature to retrain us from the inside out. As we, as I had mentioned before, it started in Spain to help postpartum women recover and it's grown into this encompassing thing that benefits everyone. And actually over in Europe and in Spain, they use it in schools to help balance the nervous system of kids. They'll actually take breaks and uh, so that they have mindful breathing and give them just that minute to balance their nervous system. The Vatican Hospital is now using it in their pregnancy and postpartum regimens as far as as part of their protocol, which is super cool. I wish they would do that here. <laughs> uh, so again, while it's widely known in Europe and in Latin American countries, it's just now starting to gain momentum here, but we're trying we're trying to get it out there. <laughs> So some of the benefits of this, again, it's a total body workout. And at first it doesn't seem like it is. And Jessica can probably <laughs> attest to this at first. You're like, uh, okay, this is going to do what? <laughs> but it really does have this total body. And as you progress through the cycle in this series of things, it progressively gets harder and more full body demanding. In the beginning, it's a lot of static poses, and that's simply because we're retraining that deep core and how to get that deep core to work. And then once you start going through it, then it starts moving into more dynamic systems and cross chains and whatnot. But um, as you can see on your little thing here, there's a whole gamut of things that this does from the pre and postpartum treatment, urinary incontinence and all different kinds. It helps with anaerobic production. So sports performance, a lot of people use this in training because it helps with your anaerobic capacity, um, waistline reduction and the fact that it helps with our, our abdominal core, uh, prolapse prevention and treatment, back pain reduction, which is really directly tied to the diaphragmatic, how, how the diaphragm is attached to the lower spine. Um, so there's a whole gamut of things that this does all with some super simple, well, super technical, but super simple movements. <laughs> uh, 
so again, as I mentioned, this whole thing started, you know, starting the stem of it was from yoga breathing mixed with the bodybuilding, the abdominal suction, um, the abdominal vacuum, so to speak. Okay, so now I'm going to get into my nursing nerd out stuff. So if you guys have questions, <laughs> and I am a total nerd, so please stop me if you have any questions about anything, or if I'm going too fast or rambling, because I kind of get excited and I kind of go overboard sometimes. <laughs> so um, first, talking about the diaphragm, and I apologize if you guys... Sorry, I'm going to go pee. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize if you guys are knowledgeable about this already. I'm just going to dive in like you don't know anything. So just in case you don't, then maybe you'll pick up something new. Um, but our diaphragm is this beautiful respiratory muscle that its main deal is to, and not only does it regulate the pressure within our abdominal cavity, as well as acting as our breathing mechanism, but it stabilizes the trunk based on how it's connected, where it's at. So it's, it's our main core stabilizer, which people don't really think about or don't really realize because it's kind of a forgotten muscle that nobody thinks about. So whenever we're doing hypopressives, it helps to release the tension within the diaphragm. It helps to stretch it, helps to give us some mobility, helps to release some tension. So, and another thing that people don't realize is that breathing, as we mentioned before, in tied with our nervous system, a lot of people store their stress within their diaphragm and they don't realize it because their breathing is super shallow. Like some people store it in their shoulders and some people store it in their diaphragm with their breathing. <laughs> like everybody has kind of like their little hidden things. But once we start going through this, it's not uncommon for people to realize that the diaphragm is actually a hidden storage of this stress. So as we're going through and we're doing some of these diaphragmatic releases and these massages, if you feel any emotional releases or stress releases, it's normal and it's okay. And a lot of people hold their their tension and their stress there, which is another reason why it gets so tight in which just, it's just a vicious cycle of it's tight. We shallow breathe. We stay in this fight or flight mode. And then it just continues on this perpetuation of <laughs> stress cycle, I guess, basically. So, but again, and it can also being tight, having a tight diaphragm, if anybody has lower lumbar issues, the diaphragm connects to your L1 through your L5. So if you have a tight diaphragm and you're trying to take deeper breaths for anything, or if you're really stressed out, it's going to pull on that lower lumbar and it's going to create some lower back tension. That's not so fun. <laughs> Hinley, we don't know that it's coming from the diaphragm at that point, but so the diaphragm and pelvic floor connection. So as I was mentioning before, it is a synergistic correlation between the two. So whenever you're inhaling and the diaphragm goes down, the pelvic floor goes down and relaxes. And whenever you're exhaling, the diaphragm goes up and the pelvic floor should go up and contract. So what happens is as we have damage done over time, be it stress, be it athletics, be it babies, whatever it is that happens to the body where we have this 
this disconnection between the pelvic floor and the diaphragm, they start to act independently of one another. And so they don't do what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to have that co-activation with each other. And so if, for example, you were to sneeze, your pelvic floor, as you contract, should come up and contract, which would keep you from leaking. However, if it's been damaged and it's not functioning properly, as your diaphragm comes up, it's not coming up with it, which allows this pressure to go down and which creates the leaking and the dysfunction between the two diaphragms. So if you think of, if you, if you see this right here, if you think of the peritoneum, which is the membrane of smooth tissue that, that covers through your abdominal pelvic cavity and surrounds your abdominal organs, and the diaphragm separates the thoracic cavity from, from the abdominal. So if you think of it like a balloon, and you have this balloon, so the pressure is going to be, there's always a constant pressure within there. However, if you were to take this balloon within your hands and you were to create pressure on it, whichever way it is, the, the balloon is going to expand to the point of least resistance, right? So it's always going to find that point that's weakest. So if our pelvic floor isn't functioning as it should, or if you're, even if your abdominal girdle isn't, isn't functioning how it should, that pressure, when you sneeze, when you cough, when you do crunches, when you do whatever it is that you do, when you run, when you pick up stuff, it's going to go to the place of least resistance. And so that's what creates some dysfunction within our pelvic floor is because if that happens to be our place of least resistance at the time, that's where all the pressure is going to go, which is going to create further dysfunction. That makes sense. <laughs> so with hypos, what we're doing is we're creating the diaphragm is acting. If, you, if I go back to this one, you can kind of see, obviously the diaphragm looks like a little plunger. So as we do this suction breath that we have, it has a same plunger effect that is going to pull up the visceral stuff and everything is going to come up with it. So on this next slide, you can kind of see what happens. So we have a visceral decongestion that's happening, which is mainly just, we're just increasing the blood flow to the area. We're allowing, allowing everything to come up and everything starts to move. This decrease in pressure turns into the visceral traction, which allows that to happen. And the internal organs start to ascend as a direct effect during the practice. And it helps relocate them into the positions that they're supposed to be. Now it's a very slow procedure as to getting them to stay there because that's all gonna be based on the resting tone of the pelvic floor, but it does start to happen over time. So this next slide is pretty cool because here we have <laughs> images showing you guys what happens so and I do have vagina videos later but <laughs> here we have some 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 images so here you can see they're just outlining the bladder right here and then as you go through this apneic breath with the suction here is where the original angle was and you can see it literally sucks it up and it starts to move up so again, it's a very gradual thing. So obviously it's not gradual when you're doing it. When you're doing it, it's coming up with every breath that you're taking that's in this suction breath. Now getting it to stay in that position where it's resting and maintaining there 
that's what takes a little bit more time. Again, it's kind of, it's a rehab. It's not a quick fix. It's not an instantaneous thing that happens. Um, and we do have to be mindful when we're doing ours that, that you don't release too quick when you are doing it. If you guys get into it and you want to go through the thing, <laughs> because if you see this movement and you're doing this great breath and you're holding everything up and then all of a sudden you drop it really fast, it's just going to go <laughs> and we don't want that. We want it to, to nicely come back down into place and then we'll relift it again as we go. So with the posture added into this. So posture is huge when it comes to pelvic floor and diaphragm movement. Um, as you can see from this gravity in itself and aging and muscular weakness all tie into this. and, and laziness. I mean, we all kind of slump like this. <laughs> Whenever I first started, I'm not even going to lie. I had really, really bad posture, not even realizing I had really bad posture until I got into this. And then you're like hyper aware of, Oh, my posture should be here. <laughs> and it, and it took me a little bit, but then I realized it was, and I, this is the only way I can describe it is almost like I have a kickstand within my spine now, it's like, I don't have to think about holding myself up. It's like, I have a kickstand that just props me up. <laughs> if that makes sense, because I've retrained the muscles within my spine and my core to, to hold me in this position, not to say that I don't have lazy moments where I, <laughs> you know, we all do, but, uh, overall it's, it's interesting how, when you can retrain those muscles, you know, it's muscle memory. So when you have those muscles retrained, then they start to function, but, uh, we kind of lose that over time, but even just gradually, just with nature and how many of us see, you know, grandparents and, and whatnot that end up in this hunched position. And of course, if you look at all this pressure that's coming down, that's why they have this lovely protrusion <laughs> because that's where the pressure is going. And they, they've created this little bubble that everything has to stay encompassed within this. So keeping, keeping the posture is, is very key into moving forward with this. So again, as I was mentioning, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I was a gymnast and we're notorious for swaybacks. <laughs> So I was very much that person that had that sway back. And when you tell me to stand up straight, I, you know, just like dancers, I'm going to pull from here to stand up tall versus pulling from my spine and my cervical. Um, so re-educating myself on what good posture actually was, was a very, very tricky thing for me. Um, but through this process, you do, you do learn, but as you see, whenever you're standing there, you have the downward pressure is going to go to your pelvic floor. It's going to come out to your abdomen. And it's just based on gravity. Of course, sway back hurts the lower lumbar. So with hypos, you're taught how to stretch, how to grow through the spine, um, which helps to alleviate all that, which then leads to better posture. So right now we're going to do another little exercise. And I'm going to have you guys stand back up if you can. And we're just gonna go through the basics of posture because even if you don't ever see me again, this will help you in life just in general. <laughs> so the first thing I want you to do is I want you to look down at your feet. I wanna make sure that you are hip width apart, that your knees are hip width, knees are facing forward, 
toes are facing forward, but I don't want you to necessarily don't look at your big toe because sometimes as we age, our big toes do crazy things. So really look at the alignment of your ankles and your knees and is everything facing forward as it should. And then the next thing I want you to do is if you had your ponytail right here at the back of your crown and I were to grab it and pull it straight up, I want you to think about growing through the back of your spine like that, that cervical elongation, growing nice and nice and tall. So how tall can you stretch through your core without overdoing it? I don't want you to overstretch anything. <laughs> then I want you to think about the fact that you, if I were to take an apple and give it to you and place it under your chin. So you're gonna kind of bring your chin down to make sure that you're not stretching through the back of your head. So we don't wanna grow like this. We want to grow through here. So act like you have an apple within here. And then you're also at the same time gonna pretend like there's somebody behind you that you're really interested in their conversation, but you don't want them to know that you're interested in their conversation. So you're just gonna lean back just ever so slightly tucking your chin and pulling in. And what that's going to do is that's going to stretch that cervical through there to help us grow nice and tall. And I want you to relax through your shoulders and just stand there nice and gently like that. So essentially, it's just thinking about being really tall, growing through the back of the spine. Now, as we mentioned before, think about your knees. Are your knees locked or are your knees soft? So we want our knees nice and soft, not bent, but just soft. And I want you to take a couple deep breaths there. And then I want you to take everything out <laughs> and forget that posture altogether. And then I want you to try to get back into it. <laughs> so again, think about your toes your knees growing nice and tall through the crown. So you're gonna see how high you can stretch through the back of your head. Eavesdropping on the people, holding the apple so our chin's not too high. We're just keeping that neck in a nice neutral position and take another couple deep breaths there. Now, while you're there, I want you to put your hands on your abdomen. And notice the tone within your abdomen. Just kind of poke on it a little bit as you're in this nice stretched position. And then again, I want you to totally shake it out and just relax. And now as you're totally relaxed, now poke on your abdomen again and feel the tone and the tension within it. Does anybody notice any difference? <laughs> I can't hear anybody with maybe. <laughs> I see you rubbing your belly. <laughs> I'll say something. I mean, I can, I notice, but it's also probably because I've been doing it a little right. bit. But, you know, when I stand in that position, when I'm standing straight up in the, in, you know, extending I can breathe in my diaphragm and not move my belly at all or hardly at all but then mm -hmm. when I'm like just like standing there like 
you know, then it's like all mushy and like, uh, you know, yeah. It all goes, <laughs> I look like I look like number two or number, you know, whatever in that those pictures. So that's what that's what I notice. <laughs> Yay! Did anybody else notice anything? Could you tell a difference? No. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed a difference too. Just more, um, I know I need more work. Like I need to do it more to feel mm -hmm. the real difference. But yeah, because it's awkward for me. Like I think that um, I'm going to say Georgia, <laughs> Leslie had mentioned before about the diaphragm breathing. And I know that um, I, I, I'm a shallow, like I, I take shallow breaths for sure. And I know it's something I have to work on, but this is, is good. It's like it's practice, right? For sure. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. <laughs> and I think we're all shallow breathers, just we don't realize it until somebody points it out. And then we're like, oh, <laughs> so, okay. So that is something that you guys just in everyday life, just think about that growing and that stretching, the soft knees and how that helps to open up so you guys can breathe. But just that growing through the spine really helps strengthen the multifidi that run up the spine. Those are the muscles that help support your spine. And when those muscles are strong enough to support the spine, it can really help alleviate a lot of dis dysfunction um, just because you're it's not all settling on top of each other. So you have an extra support within there that helps keep you from having injury and whatnot. So just an overall daily thing. So when you're doing the dishes or when you're standing at your computer or whatever it is that you're doing, be the, and, and again, it, it ties in when you're sitting as well. So as you guys are sitting here right now, if you think about that, just same thing, even though we're not standing, just that growing through the back of the spine. And I don't ever want you guys to overstretch it. We don't ever want to lose the natural curvature of the spine. Okay. So it's not like you're trying to like manipulate into this totally straight line. Um, it's just a growing and, and the more you can practice that growing and strengthening of those muscles, the more it'll help your core just in your everyday life. Moving on. <laughs> so tone and strength. I'm sure as you guys know, tone and strength are two different things. So what hypopressives does is it really works with the abdominal belt, um, which are your transabdominal muscles, your obliques that help to stabilize the core as you're just sitting there and you're resting tone. So your resting tone, you know, you've seen those, well, and I'm, I do it. I used to do it all the time, but you know, like you're doing something and you like suck in and you stand up tall and you're like consciously drawing in your abdomen. Um, unfortunately that constant, like conscious draw in of the abdomen is creating this unnecessary pressure on our pelvic floor that we don't realize because again, we're pulling it in. It's that balloon. It doesn't know where to go. It's going to go down. Yes. We're sucking in. And for the moment we're like, yes, I can fit into these perfectly. <laughs> but then, you know, as soon as you take the breath and you're like, oh, <laughs> it goes, you know, it relaxes. So we have that tone versus strength. So these are two different things that we're working on. So with hypopressives, we are really working on that internal resting tone of the body. We're not working on getting a six pack because that's not going to happen from hypopressives. You will not 
suddenly end up with a six pack. <laughs> so I just get the end of this, no six pack is gonna <laughs> just show up. Um, but inside, underneath everything, you are gonna have super strong resting tone, which is way more important than having a six pack when it comes to our fundamental health. So again, here you can see, and I don't know if anybody has experienced diastasis. I don't know if anybody's had pregnancies or if anybody's had the separation. So that separation within the muscles and the abdomen, that's diastasis that happens. And that creates a huge weakness within the body. And one way to test, and I don't, I don't know if anybody knows that they have one besides Jessica. Right? <laughs> uh, if you, if you put your fingers on your abdomen and you run it down that middle line, let's say, and you can it depends on how it is if, but if you lay down, especially, and you can get your fingers in between there, and then you do a tiny crunch, you'll be able to tell if there's a separation in a space between there, your fingers should not normally sink in and there should not be a gap in between there. That's bigger than just, you know, a couple, you know, a finger or so. So if it's any bigger than a finger, like if you can take two fingers and you can stick it in between then you have a diastasis, which is normal. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people have it functionally though, as far as your core goes, it's not necessarily a good thing to have, <laughs> but with hypos, we can help retrain that because again, we're, we're retraining the transabdominal muscles to come in and act like that corset. So as you can see on this next one, they really do act like a corset. Those muscles wrap around and they come around from the inside. So again, I, I like good food and I like wine. <laughs> so I have a nice little, a nice little pillow over mine, but underneath my pillow of good food and wine, there is a really awesome <laughs> tight corset that is keeping everything in place as it should. <laughs> so we're going to do another little exercise right now. And you can do it sitting in your chair. And all I want you to do is, and you can do, we can do it both ways, or you can do one or the other, whichever, you know, you feel more inclined to do. But the first one I want you to do is you're going to just place one hand on your abdomen, lower belly. And then I'm going to have you cough. And I want you to pay attention to if your belly comes out or if it contracts when you cough. So you can go ahead and cough. And then another one that you can do is you can place your hand on your peritoneum. So place it down on your little hoo-ha. <laughs> and again, cough and see if you notice any pressure that's coming out, if you're feeling any force coming out when you cough. So if you felt anything, that's telling us that there is still some dysfunction within the pelvic floor, within the abdominal cavity, because whenever you cough, the abdominals should co-activate and they should, they should preemptively act to contract whenever you cough. So if you're coughing and they're instantly coming out and it's a lot, then that's telling you that your core is not functioning as it properly should, because it should go and contract it. 
And same with the pelvic floor. If you're feeling that there's a pressure that's coming out when you cough and you can feel that on your hand, then you know that pressure is going down to your pelvic floor. And it should be, as we mentioned earlier, remember the synergistic. So as you cough, it should be contracting and coming up versus pushing down. So if you're feeling it pushing down, then there's chances that there is some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction within that is happening that just needs some strengthening and retraining. So again, this is just about pressure management. Remember the pressure stays the same. It's just a matter of where it's going and how we're treating it and what is able to withstand the pressure whenever it moves throughout our abdominal core. So classic crunches per se, if you're doing crunches and you're doing them naturally, if you can see this, obviously it's gonna go out through the belly, out through the pelvic floor. Some people try to contract the abdominal muscles whenever they're doing them to help alleviate this outward pressure that comes this way. Unfortunately, then it all goes to the pelvic floor. And if you're able to contract your pelvic floor as you're doing a crunch, it's all gonna go to your spine. <laughs> so there's just this whole thing of where does the pressure go as we're doing these exercises, which is why hypopressives is so great because it's a low pressure fitness. So again, classic crunches, the abdominals are contracted, diaphragm pushes down on the viscera, the viscera pushes on the perineum, it all becomes overburdened, and then everything comes in and everything goes bleh. <laughs> Name it, sir. <laughs> so doing hypopressives, we're doing the exact opposite. We're raising the diaphragm, which raises the viscera, which overrides the pressure on the perineum, which sucks everything up. And it works the type one fibers of our pelvic floor versus the type two, which are your strength, which is where Kegels come into play. Those are very strength muscles. And again, we're working that resting tone. So Kegels are super awesome. If you know how to do them properly, they're super great to incorporate, <clears throat> excuse me, super great to incorporate into this. Um, but they are not the same as they both have different, you know, different functions that they perform. Um, so again, just another thing showing how the pressure pushes down. Now, again, men have the same issues. So if anybody has men that pee a lot or, <laughs> or they have any ED dysfunction or whatever, it's the same thing. They have pressure that goes down on all of theirs. Women, it's a little bit more because our pelvic opening is bigger within our cavity. It's just our bone structure is different. But men still have the same issue. It pushes on the prostate puts pressure on the bladder, pinches nerves, creates all these dysfunctions within them. So men are, men are not unscathed from this. Okay, so we're getting ready to get in some vaginal videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Jessica, it won't let me show, it wouldn't let me do the one in particular that I sent you that shows the prolapse way sticking out because, um, it wouldn't let me link to it because it's 18 and mature content. And these oh. other ones I already had downloaded on my thing, but I can send it to you guys. If you want to see a prolapse sticking out and sucking back up, I will totally send it to you on the slide. <laughs> I think that we would all appreciate just that video. Okay. We'll, we'll get into just some basic vaginal videos first, and then I can send you guys the really, really graphic after Okay, so first, hang on, I gotta turn off my little thing, I learned this. Okay, 
So first, what you guys are going to see is she's just coughing. So we just did her cough test, right? And you guys tested to see where the pressure went, if it came out in the abdominals, if it came out in the pelvic floor. So you can see the side view. She's coughing here. Now, this is a 32-year-old woman who has not had any babies. So you can only imagine how this would progress had people had babies had they had trauma on their pelvic floor other than just being oops a healthy woman <laughs> hang on <laughs> okay so can you guys see what's happening there as she's coughing who would have thought <laughs> not me till I thought okay so here's the crunch we do crunches. We're supposed to do crunches. This is what they say to do after you've had a baby, right? Get your body back. Yeah, do crunches. Oh, dang it. Why does it do that? Sorry. <laughs> Here's what happens when she's doing a crunch. Ooh, and again, this is somebody that hasn't had prior trauma on their pelvic floor, right? You can see her cervical eyes. You can uh -huh. see the whole of her cervix when she does that. That is amazing. Right? So we can see the pressure that's happening within our pelvic floor based on these typical things that we do every day, right? So here's one where she's doing a hypopressive exercise. So I'm gonna show you this part first so you can see. And again, this technique, while it looks simple as Jessica can attest, <laughs> It, it is simple in a sense, but it's not because you have to know what you're doing in order to make it work, right? Um, but it is simple once you get the hang of it anyway. <laughs> Simpler. And now you can watch. You can watch right here and see as she goes. You can watch how it literally sucks into itself. And I'm so sorry that I couldn't show you the one where she literally has organs sticking out that suck back in but it's the same principle you can you can see how it creates that suction effect that pulls everything back up so again in doing this what we're doing is we are retraining that pelvic floor to be able to support everything it's that resting tone that's going to keep everything in the place where it's supposed to so again, same thing that just reiterates what just happened. You have the pelvic floor that's trying to hold everything up. Eventually it gets tired, it breaks down and issues happen as we go. So one of the most prevalent things that happens obviously is urinary incontinence. And actually I think these numbers, the more research I've done, I think that these numbers are very underestimated. I think it's a way higher percentage than 40% as we, as an average, um, especially because of all the CrossFitters and all the, everybody that's starting at a younger age. Um, but it's really kind of the, and until recently, it's kind of been the unspoken thing. It's just, Oh, it happens. Don't worry about it. Kind of thing. Um, everybody pees when they sneeze, like you've had a baby, it's fine. <laughs> and that's really not the way that it should be. It's really not. And the fact that I am seeing so many commercials for incontinence pads now, I don't know if you guys have noticed the amount of ads and commercials that are out now, they're normalizing it. They're like, oh, well, we're going to monetize on this because 
it's mainstream now. Everybody pees. It's fine. Just wear a pad. Like, you know? <laughs> so, and that's, it's really not the way it should be. It doesn't have to be that way. It really does not have to be that way. And it's very frustrating to see how it's going. So there's lots of different types of urinary incontinence. There's stress incontinence. There's physical exercise incontinence. There's urgency incontinence. You could have one or you could have all. It just depends on your body type. And stress incontinence is, you know, obviously based on the pressure that's put on there, laughing, coughing, sneezing, lifting, any sudden movements like that could cause that stress incontinence. Um, the athletic incontinence is a huge one, as we already talked about. <laughs> it's really induced by just putting way too much strain and not breathing properly. Even if they, if they could learn how to breathe properly through some of that, they could totally correct a lot of that, but they don't, they don't think about it and it's not taught and it's just passed off as this is what happens. Um, oh, where'd my mouse go? I lost my arrow. <laughs> uh, so this was an article that came out a while ago, but even young women are having this issue. And again, I was a gymnast. Thank God I didn't pee whenever I was that young, but I also wasn't at a level that she was at. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. And it's mainly just because we are not training our cores properly and breath has been forgotten and what we've done. And that's really the main part of it. So, and I don't know if anyone here and you don't have to say anything is suffering from a prolapse. Um, I did have a prolapse whenever I first started this and my doctor was like, Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Like it's not a big deal. It's not really bothering you. It's cool. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I had a rectocele. <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. Like I have to push on places I don't want to push in order so I can poop properly. Like, this is not, this is not okay with me. And they're like, no, you're fine. Unless you want to have surgery, you're fine. Um, so again, I've, I've been able to alleviate symptomatically anything that's happened with it using this. Um, but if anybody doesn't know, so pelvic organ prolapses, they happen basically because there's a weakness within the pelvic floor. Um, there's five main types of prolapse. There's the cystocele where the bladder pushes down into the vagina. There's a uterine prolapse where the womb drops down into the vagina. And I lost my marker, so I can't, oh, oh there it is. <laughs> Let me get my laser pointer. Um, so the enterocele, which is where the intestines fall down and they there's a space that opens up between the vagina and it can it can bulge in through the wall. The rectocele, which is what I had, is where the rectum pushes into and protrudes into the vaginal wall. And then there's also one that's not shown on here, but it's the vaginal vault where the vagina itself can kind of close in upon itself and come out. Um, there's four levels or four stages that they stage it at. Stage one is considered minor, and that's where the organs are still supported, but there's been some movement and it's slipping down. Two is where the organs are not being supported fully by the pelvic floor, and they've now started to descend down into the vaginal canal. Three is where they've really kind of descended, and now they're at that opening point where it's like, if you look at your little girl, you can see something coming out that's not supposed to be coming out. 
And stage four is where it is, it's coming out and it's very noticeable and very obvious that it is not where it's supposed to be. Um, again, with, with modern medicine, they'll either tell you to disregard it, do PT, which is mostly Kegels, or you can have surgery and fix it that way. So while hypos is a, it's a great preventative to help these things happen. It also, again, is a rehab. It can't necessarily reverse a stage four. Like you've, you, you do have some issues there. What it can do is if you do have to have surgeries, it can help you in the rehab of that afterwards, keeping everything in its place as it's supposed to be after that. If it's a stage three, again, it can help alleviate symptomatically what's happening where people have stage three, it reverses enough to where it's a stage two ish, but you're asymptomatic at that point. So it's not bothering you. you. You can still function naturally, but so it's very good at helping reduce and alleviate symptomatically what's happening within it. So mine, for example, I haven't been back. I don't know exactly what stage mine is at now, but it doesn't bother me anymore. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> So again, I don't know if anybody's suffering from any of that, but there is hope outside of just surgically, hey, let's go take everything or pin it up. <laughs> so, and again, pelvic floor for the men, same thing. They have issues, they have pressure that causes these same symptoms. So if you know anybody that has ED or has prostate issues or pees a whole lot, then this could absolutely help them as well. Sexual function. So in, in my little handouts, there was also a flyer that kind of goes more into detail about how this can really help with sexual function. Um, but basically, if you were to put it in a nutshell, this is kind of what it would be. So you're improving just your overall proprioception of your pelvic floor. You're aware of it. You're feeling it. You're in tune with it. We're increasing that blood flow. To the pelvic floor and to the genital area. Our pelvic musculature and toning is being repaired and fixed, which is going to create better orgasms. And it's going to help alleviate pain as far as, because a lot of, a lot of women that I've realized that I work with, they do have that hypertonic pelvic floor. So whenever it's so tight and it's so tense and it's so dry because you're not getting that blood flow and it's really tight, it's painful. It's painful to have sex like that. And so this helps alleviate that in all these different ways, but, and not to mention the respiratory and physical stamina improves because you're increasing your anaerobic thing and your breathing and everything else. <laughs> and actually over in Spain, which I've been trying to get Tamara to do a sex course here and she hasn't yet, but they have actual sex courses and there are specific positions that they teach you to help with sexual function, or if somebody is trying to get pregnant or to alleviate painful issues or whatnot, but they do partner courses. And I'm like, we need to teach that here. <laughs> but you know, sex is kind of taboo here. So whatever, <laughs> it'll get here eventually. <laughs> so with menopause, and obviously you guys all know, and there's a whole other gamut way beyond this and, and it can affect people in so many different ways. Um, 
but the different ways how hypoprosives can help and not just hypoprosives, just breathing in itself, <laughs> just breathing. If you don't get anything else from this, just breathing in itself can help with so many different things um, within that because we don't take the time to just stop and breathe and have that mental slowness and stillness to allow the body to calm down and to heal. Um, and I think that balance is so important as we're moving through these hormonal fluctuations, you know, allowing our body to just be for a little bit, you know, um, but there's so many ways that it can help. Okay. So if you guys are ready and I know I'm rambling, does anybody have any questions at this point before we jump into some exercises? No, nobody. I'll just say, hi, I'm Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to do, I'm going to teach you guys some breathing exercises now. So as I told you in the beginning, yes, pelvic floor session, but as you've learned, the diaphragm and the breathing are paramount to our pelvic floor function. Um, so once we get our breathing in sync, then you're going to notice that everything starts to kind of fall into a syn synchronistic pattern and the benefits that will come from that. So the first thing that we're going to learn, let me see if I can move you guys away from my little, oh, okay. First thing we're going to learn is 360 breathing. And I don't know if anybody has ever heard of this before. Um, I also kind of like to refer to it as umbrella breathing. Um, but whenever you're breathing, everything should expand in every direction. So what I want you to do right now is as again, as you're sitting here, just think about your breathing pattern. Can you feel it moving in every direction or do you use your accessory muscles? So just to put it in perspective, whenever I first started with Jessica, not telling her, <laughs> Whenever we first started and I'm doing our first session and we're going over all this and I was like, how is your breathing? Do you breathe through your shoulders? And she's like, oh, no, 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 I don't breathe through my shoulders. I totally, and she's breathing and I'm watching her and she's <sighs> and like, you were totally breathing through your shoulders. And she was like, damn it. <laughs> like... <laughs> so it's something that we unconsciously do. So especially stressful, shallow breathers that carry your attention here, you're gonna breathe through here. And that's probably why your shoulders do get tight is because they're doing functions on a daily basis that they're not meant to do. Your muscles up here are not meant to help you breathe. They're not, <laughs> that's not what they're for. However, your serratus, which wrap around the front and your intercostals, which are in between your rib cage, those are your main breathing muscles. And we don't really function with those very much, especially because those bras that keep us in place so long that we don't expand. So ladies, braless anytime you want. It's good. <laughs> so first thing I want you to do is you're going to wrap your hands around your rib cage. And you're going to have your thumbs back behind the back and your fingers wrap around in the front. And it's kind of going to be mid to lower part of your rib cage. And then I want you to relax through your shoulders to try not to breathe up through them. But I want you to take nice deep breaths. 
and feel within your hands where your rib cage is moving. And it's okay. You can't expect all of a sudden just have this umbrella breath when you haven't had it in forever. So it's totally okay. It's just more about noticing because once you start to notice, then you can start to make adjustments to correct it. So you'll just take some few breaths. Okay, guys. Can anybody feel if your back is expanding? Are your elbows going out to the side when you're taking a breath? Are your hands expanding in this kind of balloon fashion? Or is it only moving in certain directions? That's kind of what you're, you're trying to notice. And also when we're talking about diaphragmatic breathing, um, our diaphragmatic breathing from a hypo's perspective is we are really focusing on rib cage expansion. So your abdominum is, abdominum is obviously going to move. It's going to move because it's meant to. So your stomach is going to expand naturally, but we don't want that to be the focal point. So a lot of times, I don't know if anybody's a yogi, but they teach you to breathe into the belly. And that's because that's how they're creating their space for the deep breaths. And that's not what we're doing. We are going to create space within our lungs because as you progress and move forward, that space within the lungs is what's going to allow that plunger effect to create the space and the movement to pull all that up that we need. It creates the space to move that. So you're just thinking very consciously about, can I expand in every direction? And nice, slow, deep breaths. Because again, we want to stimulate the parasympathetic. So another one you can do, and while you're doing that too, whenever you guys are practicing at home, because you guys have this handout that teaches you all this at home, um, but you can focus on certain areas at a time. So if you're focusing just on the sides, like you can wrap your hands just around the sides and just be consciously aware of, can I take it to the side? Now I have my hands on my back. Can I expand through my back? So you can do it in segments. If, if doing it all at one time kind of seems overwhelming at first, break it up and just see, can, can I consciously control which way I'm doing it? And I'm not going to lie. It takes, it takes most people practice to do that because again, we have not been using our straightest to breathe. Our intercostals are kind of like stagnant because they've been sitting there <laughs> squinched up for so long. Um, so you can do that. So another one that you guys will do at home later is, and it's in your little packet is you'll do the same thing, but laying on the ground and have your hands, but this time, instead of having your hands wrapped around, you'll just have them kind of cupped. But as you're breathing, you're going to lay on the floor and you're going to notice if you can feel if you're trying to breathe into the floor. So you'll feel the pressure of the floor as you're trying to expand, which kind of creates that resistance to help build those muscles because you're trying to actually actively breathe against the floor to raise and expand. So it's just, it's just ways of muscle training. Um, another thing that you can do to really expand the upper back and to breathe into the back, cause that's probably the most noticeable place where people don't move very much. Um, you know, they can, they can figure out how to do this and they can kind of figure out how to do this, but into the back is a little bit harder, but if you go and it, and it, 
totally varies based on what's comfortable for you. But if you can do a deep squat and hold onto something that's heavy enough to support your weight, so a bed leg or even a doorknob, if you just want to squat a little bit, anything that you can do to hold onto and it'll just expand your back. And then as, and so you kind of let your weight go into your back like that and then breathe that way. And it'll just give that stretch and that expansion into your back to help allow that to open up and stretch. So that is our 360. Does anybody have any questions on that? And you'll have handouts and I'm in the little app thingy. So if you guys do have questions as you go, please feel free to hit me up. I'm so here to help you guys in any way that I can. So don't hesitate to ask questions because <laughs> I know it's a lot. And I told you guys I'm a nerd. I'm going to overindulge. <laughs> okay. So this is a, this is a big one. So diaphragm self-massage, and we don't have to do this laying down unless you want to and listen to me from the floor, but you can totally do this in your chair right now. So, and it's easier laying down just because you don't have the tension of being upright to where your core is trying to hold you upright. So if you can relax back a little bit, then you can do that. Um, but what you're going to do, so massaging the diaphragm is just like anything else, right? It's tight. It needs to be stretched. It needs to be moved. So what you're going to do is you're going to gently, let me angle my, you're going to gently introduce your fingers underneath your rib cage just super gently and do please do remember that your liver is on your right side so don't like go like digging your fingers all the way in uh so just listen to your body listen to the tension don't go too hard you don't want to bruise it it's okay just go go gently as you go so you're going to place them underneath the arches of your ribs and you're going to do a nice slow inhalation not belly breathing, trying to expand through the ribs, just like we were talking about. And then as you're hitting that point where you're at that nice expansion, you're gonna introduce the fingers right underneath the rib cage. And then as you exhale, it's gonna be like you're typing on a typewriter. So you're just gonna kind of gently move the fingers along the rim of the rib cage as you're exhaling. And then whenever you inhale, you'll stop and you'll just kind of hold there and you'll take another breath. And then as you exhale, you're gonna start typing again on that typewriter, just moving the fingers along that diaphragmatic connection along the rib cage. And whenever you inhale, you stop. And then as you exhale, you type again and really focusing on those points where you feel the most tension through there. But again, not so much that it it's sore that it hurts. So if anybody ever goes on to work with me, I, I have this thing where I'm like, uncomfortable is okay, but hurting is not. So we don't ever want anything to hurt while you're doing it. If you're uncomfortable, that's okay. Cause your body is relearning new things and we're pushing past points, but I don't ever want anything to hurt. So do listen to your body as you're doing this. And if it's uncomfortable, please stop and release pressure, you know, and just do it real gently as you go forward. So you just do that a few times to help release that diaphragm. You can also use, oh, I meant to grab one. Um, you can also use little balls. I don't know if anybody has any little massage balls that are about this big that have the little spikes on them. If anybody has any of those, you can use those instead of your fingers and you just do the same thing. You just roll them right along the rim of that rib cage 
and it'll just help release that myofascial tension that's along there and help release that diaphragm. So another one that you'll do is a shoulder stretch. And what this is really doing, this is helping us open up through the rib cage. It's opening up our back chain. It's opening up the shoulder chain. So what you'll do, you'll do this laying down, but as you're laying down, whenever you take a nice deep breath, you're gonna be stretching. And then as you exhale, you're gonna stretch a little bit more. And the whole point of this is as you're breathing and as you're moving the rib cage, you're trying to keep it as open as you can. And again, that's all that's gonna do is help open up and stretch. So we're kind of manually stretching the rib cage. These are stretches that wouldn't normally, <laughs> your diaphragm wouldn't normally get unless we purposely do it. <laughs> So that's a good one. So you'll just repeat that several times. It's Jessica's favorite, right? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> like the massage where I'm like jamming my fingers in. But yeah. um, and the last one is it's gonna be some tension that you're creating yourself. So there's several ways that you can do this one. Um the way they first taught it, which I do have in here in case somebody likes it, is you put some kind of a weight, a big book or something on your chest. And what it's trying to do is it's really consciously making you aware to, am I raising my sternum whenever I'm breathing to try to compensate for my air? Or am I able to expand in different ways? Plus it's working those muscles so that they work in different ways than they're used to. I personally don't like this because it smashes my boobs. <laughs> and I don't like it. So I like to do what she's doing. So I do the manual. So what I do, and that's in here as well. So what you guys are going to do is you're going to wrap your hands again around your rib cage, and you can do this laying down or sitting up either way. It doesn't matter. So as you're there, what you're going to do is as you take a breath, I'll come down a little bit. As you take a breath, you are going to create some resistance on your rib cage. So as you're trying to breathe in, you're making it harder to breathe in, which is going to help in turn train those muscles to work harder. So as you breathe in, not too much, you know, I mean, pay attention again to what, how much pressure that you're putting on everything. And then as you exhale, you're going to push down, like you're helping exhale and you're going to be stretching the intercostal muscles at the same time. So as you inhale, you create this resistance, making it harder. And then as you exhale, you're pushing down into it, stretching through the rib cage. Then you can readjust if you need to. And then inhale, creating that resistance, making it harder to breathe in. And then as you exhale, you're going to help it and push down, stretch through those muscles. And you just do it five to seven times or whatever is comfortable to you. It's not... <laughs> But these are some simple things that you guys can do to help retrain and help loosen up your diaphragm, help fix those muscles in there, help get them strong enough to where they're breathing and functioning versus breathing through here and real shallow and breathing through your upper chest. So, ta-da! <laughs> That's my presentation. <laughs> Oh, I can't hear you. I'm mute. I don't know how we're doing with time. 
but can you just show like a really quick um like video of what the actual like what hypopressives looks like when you kind of put it together in the in the actual movement oh. thing uh hang on let me see well, and also like i don't know if anyone could feel but could you can can you all get a sense of what when you're doing that breathing like that the pelvic floor kind of changes just a little bit because you know we didn't do like a hypopressive can mm -hmm. yeah but can you can you kind of have a sense of like i don't know if you all can have a set do have a sense of like when you're doing that kind of deep breathing and putting it all in the chest like what's happening below the waist i don't know if you do but I mean, I do, but I'm weird that way. <laughs> I, I didn't yet. It was still so much for me to feel my rib cage open up. So, no. so here's the thing. If, um, whenever you're first starting and the reason we didn't get into the hypos and the apnea breath is because it is a very technical thing to get into, which we don't have enough time to right now. And I don't have enough eh, to get with everybody. <laughs> Um, but it does take time. So even, even when I started with Jessica, like usually in my first sessions, we start on breathing. So you guys are already way steps ahead in having this practice already, because that is usually what I send people home with is for the first couple of weeks, you are going to breathe because without breathing and having that ability to expand the rib cage and move the diaphragm, you're not going to have any pelvic floor movement because again if your diaphragm is this tight and they're working synergistically they're not they're not going to move they're going to be like <laughs> so it's usually not until you really get into that breathing and that flexibility starts to get in there and you're able to create that movement that you're going to start feeling the pelvic floor really moving I think also when you're, especially if you're doing the, if you're doing the massage one on the ground and you're laying back with your legs bent and you don't have to, obviously you're not going to do the hypopressives, but I think you might notice and you all can like check in on like the Voxer or in the group, but you may notice that your pelvic floor is like doing something. You may not know what's happening, but you might be like, there is a stirring that is happening amongst my flapping lips, you know, <laughs> and, you know, that you're not, not purposely doing. Cause I know, I think that even just when we started with the standing exercises, you might've had a sense of, um, and this is like, not to like go off on a tangent about these exercises, but I've been really thinking a lot about when I'm doing the flow what my feet are doing. And even when I'm standing, brushing my teeth, what my feet are doing, are they rolling out? Are they rolling in? How am I standing? Like what's going on with my pelvic floor, you know, while I'm just like brushing my teeth and uh, making those kind of connections. But uh, yeah, but if we could show, if you could show like just a little bit. So I have, I have, I mean, just a quick quick thing. And I won't show the whole thing because it's really long, but I have that level three one that I say. <laughs> so, um, if I can still share, let's see if I can do this. Yeah. If, if everyone can just like watch just so you could see like what the possibility is with it. Yeah. And this, and this again here, let me see if I can figure this out, how to whoop, hang on. <laughs> one second. I went too big, too fast. Oh, shoot. 
how do I get out of that? Okay, sorry, my bad. Um, let's see if I can share this and then I'll make it big. Maybe if I can get back to it. What is happening here? Can you guys see that? Yeah, okay, let's see if I can. So this is, this is level three. Oh, he's not going, let's hit play somehow. This is, this is level three. So whenever I said we start dynamic and, or we start static and then it progresses into dynamic movements. Um, there's all sorts of variations of arms, of movements, of different things. And every single one of these is tailored for specific reasons and how it affects the core, how it affects the, the stability of the body. Um, so I can kind of, I wish I could make him fast forward because that would be really cool. Let's see. Oh, no, that didn't work. <laughs> I thought maybe it would let me skim. Um, but everything, and, and I'll go through this with you guys at the, at the end of this. So one, we're not all stick people, so we're not all going to look like this. It's kind of creepy sometimes, <laughs> all the skeleton bodies that they show and all this stuff. I'm like, I sure don't look like that. Like I am not. <laughs> so, um, but again, what it's doing on the inside of your core is is very very cool so he just kind of is going through some of the different variations of the different movements um that happen but everything that we do whenever you're first starting is going to have a rhythm of three so we have three breath cycles with three um so we can we can quickly go over that so you guys can start kind of seeing how the rhythm of things go and i can count you through that um but this is just kind of, and so as you can see, I mean, not really, cause he's, he's purely doing a demonstration of every flow and every variation that kind of can fall within this. Um, and I'll skip kind of, cause it goes on for a really long time. <laughs> cause again, he does do every, <laughs> like every variation of stuff. Um, oh, and look, Jessica just learned her lunges. <laughs> so, uh, but whenever we're doing this breathing series that I'll teach you guys at first, um, it again is that balancing of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. So whenever we do the apneas, so there's a point where you hold your breath and that's where the suction breath comes in, which is a false breath in, um, which we'll just do a hold for now. But that is going to stimulate your sympathetic nervous system because your body is like, oh my gosh, I'm not breathing right now. Like, and, but what we're doing is we're training it as we're going through this, that, Hey, it's okay. I'm not breathing. I'm in full control of this. I'm going to take a breath. I'm counting through this. Everything is fine, which then brings that parasympathetic in. So we're finding the balance between them. So we're helping learn how to regulate that sympathetic response versus just going straight into that fight or flight. I can't breathe. Oh no. Oh, look at all the fun stuff you can do, Jessica, with your... <laughs> So again, it goes on to all sorts of different things, but don't try to practice that. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Oh, we're going upside down now. Yeah. 
That's a Gaia variation. Yeah. Coming your way. <laughs> so Jessica's learning. She's on level two right now. So some of these are level level three things that are going. Oh, she got that one. <laughs> so anyways, it's kind of it's kind of how it is. But the fun, the fun thing about this is, and she can probably attest to this, is that when you're first starting, it's very, um, it's like riding a bike. There's so many things that you have to think of, like pedal here, hold this, do that, balance here. But once you get into it and you can purely focus on the breathing, it's amazing what happens within the body when you can just disconnect and you're just thinking about that breathing because your body now has muscle memory of all these things that you've trained it to do. And so it becomes a very meditative kind of workout, even though it's a total body workout. It's okay. really, it, it's really interesting. Cause sometimes when I don't have like time to practice or I'll do the practice, but I'll just do like, instead of doing three of each thing, I'll just do one of each, mm -hmm. you know, or like one of each side. Yeah. But sometimes when I can't even do that, like the day has gotten away, I'll just think it through. I'll literally just like do the, do the series uh, up to where I'm at, which is not this, um, <laughs> in my head. And there's this sense of peace that comes from it. Um, and I just want to say one other thing I've talked before about Huberman, uh, Andrew Huberman and Huberman lab. And he just came out with a thing about like, what's the perfect, um, exercise. And he's like, you just pick some movements like three to five movements and you do three sets of three something something to that I don't know but I'll, I'll I I can I can type that up for you guys and share that with you but and this very much reminds me of it because I I also hear Stacy's voice in my head going breast breath one <laughs> breast breath two yeah breath, breath three Okay, hold the breath, you know, apnea, rest breath one. <laughs> so it's uh it becomes very, very meditative and really um, you know, and it's not easy. I, I don't know if you all uh experience that even just standing, even standing for me at least, it takes a lot of fucking effort to just stand there and you know, like soften the knees and extend up and like listen to the back, but don't tilt your head too much. And da, 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 da. it takes a lot of deep, deep inner strength, which is all about this transition. It's all about this whole transition is about a very, very deep inner strength. And I'm not pissing on myself. So it's a win win, really. It's a win win. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say, if you guys, if you guys want to want to do the three cycles of three breaths, we can try that with you guys and you can experience my rest breath one. <laughs> I don't sound like that normally. You do that? <laughs> and then we'll leave, we'll have some questions and then that, yeah. and then, yeah. Does that yeah. sound okay? Everyone's okay. I have to unfortunately bounce, but, um, this was amazing. Stacy, thank you so much. You're and I'm definitely going to watch the rest of the recording when I get it and see it okay. so, so much. All right. <laughs> Bye, Leslie. See you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Great.
Perfect. All right. So we'll just do the restaurants and then that. Yeah. Be, so really be... all, yeah, all we're going to do, we're going to do essentially nine breaths. And so we'll all count you through rest breaths one through three. Whenever I say rest breath three, you're going to exhale fully. And it's a relaxed exhalation. It's not a force. Don't be like, <sighs> we don't want to do that. It's just a nice, gentle exhalation. And then I'm going to say hold. And then I'm going to count to five. And you're going to hold that exhalation for five seconds. And then I'm going to say rest breath one. And then you'll take your next breath. And then we'll go through two more cycles like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So here we go. So everybody ready? Nice and relaxed. And here we go. Rest breath one. Nice big inhale. Thinking about expanding through all sides. And rest breath two. Nice and deep and slow. Relaxing. Rest breath three. Nice and slow, everything relaxed, and we're gonna hold one, two, three, four, five, and rest breath. One, this is your second cycle. Again, we're nice and relaxed, just a nice deep breath. And rest breath two, fully expanding in every area. Rest breath three. Really thinking about that rib cage moving, creating that space and nice and relaxed and hold. One, two, three, four, five, and rest breath. One, nice deep breath and relaxing. And rest breath. Two, big expansion, opening, breathing in that oxygen. And rest breath three. Very nice. And we're going to gently relax and we're going to hold one, two, three, four, five, and you can relax and breathe normally. And welcome to your first series. <laughs> but it's as simple as that. If you guys can take time during your day just to stop for that minute and just do those nice deep breaths it really does help to reset your nervous system to help get you to that place of calm to slow everything down for a minute and just help everything calm down excellent well i want to thank you so much stacy this is like you know, this was a lot, right? I had to really convince Stacy to do this and to, <laughs> to, to speak. And um, she's got information about uh, working with her. If you want to work, we, you know, she's in Oklahoma. So obviously we do this remote. I will see you, I think uh, this week or next week. I don't even know. Um, and it's, it has really absolutely been life-changing for me. And it's, and, you know, of course, Roberto's like, oh, there you are doing your pussy exercises. Right? <laughs> like he's like, there, look at you. Okay. Have you, yeah. have you tried him yet in sex? Oh yeah. 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 Ah, yeah. So I will, do, I actually will do, I'll be like in the middle thinking rest breath one. Rest breath. <laughs> and then, and then I'll be like, okay, hypopressive. Yeah. I'll be like hypopressive, you know, and it very much reminds me of, so do you know who Betty Dodson was? 
Dr. Betty Dodson, who did Sex for One, and then she does Body Logic. Anyway, she's dead now. But anyway, she talks about like open mouth breathing when you're having sex. So I think about her. And then so I do like a lot of open mouth breathing because that enhances orgasm. But then I'll apply the hypopressive as well in between, right? And it's really changed, like really like subtly altered a lot of stuff. So it's, and, and it's, I find it particularly helpful when I'm like, not really like, and, and it's like, a meh. sex is like feeling like, meh. like there are sometimes where I'm like, I'm DTF, but then there are those days that I'm like, uh, or I could roll over and sleep. Like, <laughs> I don't really know, you know, where I'm at with it, but like those when I apply those two, it really takes it up to a different level. So it's quite good. I don't know who that's Roberto's now just sent me. He has this knack of sending me pictures in the middle of when I'm talking <laughs> about him. So, um, yeah. So yes, I have, I have noticed a difference. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody have questions for me? I know I rambled a whole lot. I told you oh, it's great. I totally good. nerd out on. <laughs> it's great. No. <laughs> Wow. I really felt just, just the, just the breathing made me feel trancy. Like, like. Good. You know? Yeah. You're good. And I, 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 but at first when you were <clears throat> coaching us on this, I felt like, how long do I have to breathe like this? Can I stop now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's right. Like, it's like really breathe all the time. No. no. Yeah. It's not a thing. It's not a thing where you're going to transform to being this deep breather all the time. It's, it's just more of a conscious awareness, um, of noticing how you're breathing and correcting it throughout the day. I, I still, I've been doing this for a really long time and I'm still not like this all the time. It's, like, you know, it's not, it's not, I mean, you go about your daily life. It's just a matter of finding the balance between it and knowing when it's time. Okay. I should take a breath and really open up right now. And so. Excellent. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Okay. Yeah, it was great, Stacy. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you guys have the handouts. They go over all the breathing exercises so please feel free to practice those. Again, I joined the group. So if you have any questions or comments or whatever, please feel free to hit me up. Because again, my, my purpose is to help. So I'm here to help however I can in whatever way I can. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I, you. I'm super excited. And uh, everyone have a good night. And I'll talk to you soon, yeah. Stacey. And I'll talk to all of you and do your breathing. Yeah. Open mouth breathing, rest breath one, rest breath two, closed mouth while you're mounting somebody, <laughs> a toy, whatever. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye.